sauce, and you're listening to the best show on all things barbecue with my man, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How's it going? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what? What? What seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two for wiener. But listen, Lavernius, shit feast. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Top men. Yeah, just like that, we are into the second hour of the Barbecue Central Show. We do it live we'll every it live. Tuesday from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern. You are just tuning in. You've missed the first hour. However, good news. We are recording audibly, so you can get it on podcast. First hour tomorrow. Second hour on Thursday. And we'll talk about Friday here in a second. This program is originating from... Palm City, USA. Cleveland. I've been getting a couple emails about Bomb City, USA. So I'll look to cover those as time permits here over the next handful of weeks or so. There's a lot of stuff that's been building up in the if a guest can't connect or when I have the next open segment, things that I'm going to get to. It's building. There's a lot of content that stays evergreen that I just haven't got to yet. And it's building. So at some point, we will get there. Uh, Paul Rosenberg is running in. Uh, I went to the website hoping to buy some swag and was surprised to see you don't sell any. No, I don't. Paul, you don't need to buy anything from me. You don't need to buy a hat. You don't need to buy a shirt. I'm not here to sell like this stuff. Um, for those listening in podcast, I'm holding up my Barbecue Central Show shirt. I have this. It's like my show, and I bought like 30 of them. I went through a whole merch phase four years ago, five years ago, whenever it was, 2018. Did a whole logo rebrand, got a whole bunch of shirts made, put them out for sale for like no money. You know how many people bought them? Like seven people. I had to give them away. My job isn't to sell shit to you to make a couple bucks on. All I need for you to do is sit there and continually either A, tune in live on we'll Tuesdays live. or hit the download button on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. That's all I want from you. Also, if you're in the market for a grill or a rub or some type of service and a sponsor is here offering that service to you, if I can ask, please give any sponsor on this show first consideration. Don't just blindly purchase. If you're looking for sauces or rubs or grills, things like this, Please give the sponsors first consideration. If you're going to buy from them and there's no checkout code like some of the companies have, some of them don't, when you call in or when you buy online in the comments section, let them know. Heard this on the Barbecue Central Show. Barbecue Central Show sent me. Tag them on Instagram and Twitter and tag me too so they know that we're making connections here. 
Because I can't ever guarantee a sponsor that we're going to increase top-line revenue by 30% the minute you come on here. I can't make everybody buy what I want them to buy. They have their own budgets. They have their own needs. But hopefully, over time, you hear the folks that are supporting this show. And when it comes time to buy whatever it is you're looking to buy and a company sponsors the show in that regard, you would give them consideration. That's all I'm asking. What a stupid trucker hat. Forget it. I'm not going to be shilling to my folks like that. I shill enough as it is. I read the Apple reviews telling me it's 113 minutes worth of commercials and seven minutes worth of show. I get it. But to that point, I'm also not going to sell merch. It's a pain in the ass, too, as well. I could put it up on Amazon, make like a dollar a shirt. You're still going to overpay for a shitty shirt. You want to pay 25 bucks for a shirt that you're going to shrink if you don't pay attention to it in the dryer? I want to have that relationship with my fans. I want you to love me or hate me for me, not because of products or any bullshit. We say good evening to those of you watching the show tonight through one of our video streaming platforms, Facebook and Twitch slash BBQ Central Show. Also, you can watch via YouTube, which is youtube.com slash at BBQ Central Show. And we will update you on the YouTube poll question of the week. When it comes to brisket and ribs, are you fatty and spares, fatty and baby back, lean and spares, or lean and baby back? Currently, 50% of you are saying fatty and spares. That's dropping. By every passing guest, it's dropping. Fatty and baby back is weighing in at 29%, and then half of that is lean and baby back, and half of that is lean and spare. So 7%, 14%, 29%, and 50% making up your 100. I thought more than 50% of us were fatty and spare folks. I mean, those that's a real true barbecue person like... Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue was saying, hey, if you're a real man, you have all these different cookers. Well, if you're a real barbecue man, you're eating fatty brisket and spare ribs, right? Fat. Yes, you are. Coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less this coming Friday, episode 287, taking you back to, again, June 18th, 2013. And as you might recall, last week, the Best Moment Show is currently running a first-of-its-kind four-part miniseries that features me, my sister Kate, and her friend Lindsay, who were in studio at the time. Last week, we talked all about barbecue baby names, and this week, somehow, the conversation moves to bacon everything. If you've never heard of a product called Bacon Salt, you will be properly introduced to it this coming Friday on the Best Moments Show, amongst many other things. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast feed so you can hear the second of this four-part series. Might I suggest, if you didn't hear part one, listening to that first, that will help you set up for what part two is going to sound like. Is it mandatory? No. But I would suggest for continuity of listenership, listen to part one, then go to part two. You can subscribe to the show by visiting thebbqcentralshow.com slash subscribe. There's a whole bunch of different ways listed there. 
and easily if you don't have a podcast app or you don't like podcast app or you are too good for podcast apps, but you have an email address, you can subscribe to the podcast feed through email using that link as well. And don't forget, if you want to hear a guest or segment again that you think has been lost in the archives, email John. Let him know what you'd like to hear. J-O-N at thebbqcentralshow.com. And he'll do his best to meet your expectation. This past weekend, the famous Dave's All-Star Barbecue Series rolled into Long Beach, California. When it was all said and done, James Goff of Pork Bombin' Barbecue walked away with the Grand Championship. Kyle Mazutski of Your Behind Barbecue took reserve. And as we found out last week, the next Famous Dave's All-Star Barbecue Series event is going to be happening on July 8th in Addison, Illinois. So a little time off before it makes the final run through August. I believe we're in successive weeks starting on July 8th there in the Addison, Illinois location. So if you would like more information or you would like to see the results from those past events that have already taken place, go to famousdaves.com slash all-star barbecue series. You've seen a lot of new things on the Instagram, especially on my feed. What have you seen recently? I put together the Charbroil Edge full-size electric grill. Yes, used it once. If you missed it, all the stuff on my story has since evaporated. But if you have any questions about it, please email me and I will give you my one-time experience using it. We cooked steaks and we cooked asparagus. Wanted to see if that thing could get to searing temperatures. And I have to say, shockingly surprised at both what it put on from a color and sear standpoint and then flavor. That's all I'm going to say about that. I can talk more about that uh, in the next coming weeks. Also. The only person in the country that has the Vita grill currently is this guy right here. And I am using it more and more surprisingly well at holding temperatures in the oven mode. So remember, you can use four burners at will like a normal grill. And then there's that middle that has the thermostatic control to it. So if you want to run it at 250 or 375, whatever. You engage that portion of the grill and then through the uh, the actual thermostatic controller that it has, not uh, LED or electric like some of these other ones have, it will keep that temperature. It is shockingly accurate. And I am not speaking out of school here when I say if you're interested in this cooker, make sure that you are following me on social media. Keep listening to the show for updates because it might be one that becomes available. And the price point is shockingly affordable. Like, it makes you want to second guess if the thing's even going to be around after two years. I don't have a grill cover on it. I live in Cleveland. This thing's going to be in the elements. So we will learn together how well this thing holds up. How well is the stainless? How well are the burners? But it runs hotter than my Weber. That thing's going to be, the Weber is going to be going on Facebook Marketplace here shortly. There's no reason for me to keep it. Vita performing incredibly well. Very happy about it. Also, next week I'll be talking about the timber stove that Tyson Traeger sent me as I get more runs in on that. But I want to make sure I have all of my bearings with me. Uh, getting in late from Houston this past weekend. I was able to assemble most stuff, but not really get to use it before we got here into show. So stay tuned for all of that stuff. 
Byron Chisholm is ready to rock here in just one second. Before we get to that, I'll talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for all things barbecue, a curated selection of only the best outdoor cooking and grilling supplies, getting you on the path to better barbecue results in no time. Everything on the website has been curated by Sterling Big Papa Ball himself from the award-winning rubs and sauces, the American-made grills and smokers. You know the popular seasonings and rubs, right? Uh, Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, Double Secret Steak, Little Louis Season Salt, some of my favorites. All tested on the competition circuit and in backyards. They're also the owner of Granny's Barbecue Sauce. If you're looking for a new go-to sauce, it will please everybody. Granny's traditional yet powerful flavor reminds you of why you fell in love with barbecue in the first place. And they're selling cookers. So if you're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use, check out that Mac two-star general pellet cooker. Big Papa Smokers, the exclusive Mac dealer, even offering special packages. If you don't know what grill you need, call them, please. 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop their website at bigpopsmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A smokers.com. And we are back with the legend, Butt Rub. Right after this, stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. Welcome back. Leading off the second hour tonight is a man who just might have pioneered the selling of barbecue rubs more than 20 plus years ago. Even the most green live fire cook is surely seen this brand online in stores and anywhere else barbecue rubs are sold. If you aren't familiar with the product, then you are in for a treat tonight. You can also watch his YouTube video that documents his journey to where he is today. We'll talk about that during our time this evening as well. Let's go ahead and race to the hotline. And welcome 2023 Barbecue Hall of Fame inductee Byron Chisholm to the show. Hey, Byron. Greg, how you doing, bro? I am absolutely fabulous. Great to see you. Before we get going tonight, we want to ask you the YouTube poll question of the week. So I'm asking everybody on YouTube and anywhere else, along with my guests, when it comes to brisket and ribs, are you fatty and spares, fatty and baby back, lean and baby back, or lean and spares? Where do you fall? I'm for classic spares for sure, um, it, which is definitely fattier than the baby backs uh as far as brisket you know uh certainly you got to get the point involved if you can get really good tender flat along with the point all in one slice now we're now we're talking now we're talking right no doubt 50 (laughs) percent currently saying fatty and spares is their favorite 29 percent fatty and baby back 14 percent lean and baby and seven percent are saying lean and spares what does getting into the Barbecue Hall of Fame mean in a career that has 
seen you achieve so much? Well, um, I, it, it's an honor, you know, I, I, that word probably gets used a lot, but there's no other way to describe that. It's, it's flattering that you follow your heart and it takes you to great places and you, your love with barbecue and, and you're grateful to be involved with barbecue to make your living. And then your peers say, well, you know what? Uh, we think you belong in this group and uh, it's flattering. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just honored. That's the bottom line. Be honest, sure. Byron. Outside of ah! the first time that you were nominated, did you even know there was such a thing as the Barbecue Hall of Fame? Oh, I remember when it started. Sure. I, I mean, it was, what, 12 years ago, something like that? And uh, my first thought was, well, if I ever make that, I'll be dead. I'll be long gone. I don't know. I, it's uh, it's complex because there's so many dimensions to barbecue. Yes, I, I have a rub, and yes, I, uh, I had some success in competition barbecue. And I don't know. I, I didn't know if, if I'd ever be recognized, but I didn't think about that much. I was just doing my thing. And we'll let the path, you know, take us where we need to go. And then last year when I got in the, in the finalists as top 10, I was like, uh, Whoa, I mean, it came out of the blue. I, I was flattered and honored. I, I don't know. Uh, and now this year it happened again. I'm like, uh, you know, you're sitting on pins and needles cause it's like, Oh, you're in top 10 sit around another week. And we'll let you know if you do any more than that. And it's just like, it's not like in, you're running for office and go campaign or, 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 you know, you just sit there and go, oh, well, if I go make it, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Who's even voting for me? I don't know these people, whatever. I don't know. Would you prefer, was, would you prefer to not know? If they, they, would you prefer there not be a finalist and then you're just contacted that, hey, you made it into the Barbecue Hall of Fame this year? I, I don't, I don't think there's a better way to do it. I think they, they've all put a serious effort into it and they really talked about it and, uh, the fact that I, I made the cut, I'm, I'm just honored and flattered. I, I don't really know what went on, what went on in the com communication circle uh, between the voters and stuff, but I'm not sure it's a better way to do it. Um, that, you know, you're, like I said, though, it's it's a, it's an awkward, t you know, week. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but uh, but I, but I'm it. It was really a huge thing for me. Uh, and and I think that anybody that's nominated or is a part of this. They would tell you the same thing. It, it's it's big, and I'm 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 really grateful. Before all the barbecue success, a younger Byron Chisholm was quite a passionate motocross rider. How good could you have been had you decided that was the path? I was uh, just tapping into the rider I always wanted to be. I really was. It took a while for me to mature enough to be. Uh, to figure out how to practice, to figure out how to prepare, learn all the lessons, to to get strong and steady and consistent. I was just tapping into that, but I knew it was. I knew that it was a high school sport. My dad told me, said, you know, this is your junior high and high school sport. Uh, if you want to race after high school, well, you'll need a job that pays you good enough to where you can do it. He said, if you want to go to college. You know, your mom and I are, are, are here to support you and do that. So I, I knew, I, I kind of knew all along it was to have been a professional in that field at that time really took a lot of money. I mean, I, I would have needed a, a truck, a bunch of bikes, a full time mechanic. I mean, you know, we, we were middle class and I was just grateful that I could race at all because mm -hmm. it's, it, it's, you know, it's not an inexpensive uh, sport. So, 
it all happened like it was supposed to. And even if I would have been a professional motocrosser, and even if I was good, it was a short career. Yeah. And I'm glad I, I got my education because those things you work, you, you have the rest of your life and you can use them tools. I don't know anything about <clears throat> motocross. Uh, I have a couple daughters that are pretty high level athletes. So I'm pretty versed in travel softball and travel volleyball life. One of them went on to play in college and in that realm, you're quickly identified as somebody that can make it into that next level of college or not from a motocross standpoint. Is it similar? Could you, if you were an elite rider would somebody notice that from like ktm or honda and say hey we want to sponsor you whatever you need we'll we'll write the ticket and you can have your team that's true but to get to the point where they recognize you you have to be a privateer to be a privateer that means you go on the, the professional circuit on your own dime <laughs> and if you've made some performances that caught people's attention that's how you get the factory rider but you're not going to get it from an amateur level. You know, they don't have scouts out there looking for riders like that. So you pretty much have to financially get your way to the privateer level. And, uh, and, and a lot of the people I race with, they were really good. I mean, but none of us really made it to the pros. And, and that's what I like about barbecue. When I started competing in barbecue, all of a sudden I'm competing against the best guys around. I'm like, whoop. I made it to the to the elite level in something. You know? So your journey into the rub game was a little different than what you see in more recent times. In other words, teams that see success or that dominate for some amount of time will then come out with the product after the success that they've had on the competition circuit. You had the product and then turned it into a very successful competition cooking career. Do you think it would have been possible to stay out of the contest and and still be as successful as you are now with the rub business? I think the competition barbecue really, really helped me because I got out. It, it gave me an avenue to promote it. it. It gave me a channel to introduce it to people. And then when the Food Network started coming around and, and you know, we got some television exposure, that really helped. Um, so, and also, I think the credentials, if you... All right, my competition in in the grocery industry at the time I started and getting some distribution and grocery stores were all big companies. They they weren't created by someone at the grassroots level, um, like mine was, and like a lot of people's are now. Uh, my competition was these big old conglomerates. So I separated myself from the pack by being a grassroots uh, competition barbecue champion, created seasoning, and I think people. They're like, uh, yeah, you know, this this is uh, this is kind of the real stuff, you know. Uh, so it helped me a lot. I was grateful for that. There was no flow chart, you know. Nobody was, nobody made a living from a barbecue season when I started this, uh, and it, it just it just seemed to work. When I when I created it, I was like, how do I reach the most amount of barbecue people? Well, hey, they got these barbecue events. Well, I always cooked on the weekends. I never could go away to these things. So when I started marking butt rub. It was that time where I'm like, how do I reach the most amount of barbecue people? And that's why I started going to the circuit. And that's when I realized that, hey, man, if I was one of these guys winning trophies, that would be really good for business. So that's what motivated me. And uh, I loved it. It's been, a, it's been a, a gift to me to be able to find competition barbecue because I could not get enough. I, I mean, the open road, being free to compete and being excited and practicing and 
and just there was no uh, there was no flow chart for being a champion. You just had to figure it out. You know, that that was before the classes that there weren't really any books to speak of for, for competition. There was no YouTube videos or so you just had to go out there and figure it out. And I, I was kind of cut out for that and it, it worked out pretty good. Did you frequent barbecueforum.com? I was, yeah. uh, I, I, I was, I really enjoyed that. That was great. Um, uh, connecting, uh, cooks from all over that a lot of us maybe have not have met, but we had that like fraternity of being barbecue guys and girls. And, uh, we shared a lot and we cut up a lot and sometimes we argued, but it was beautiful. It, it was a milestone for a barbecue because like I said, it was, it was a way to connect us all together. And, uh, yeah, I, I love being on the barbecue forum. How important getting buttrub.com? Was it easy to, to get? Did you have to buy it off of somebody? I mean, I look at buttrub.com and you put that in the search bar. I mean, who knows what you're going to get? <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was so easy. We were on the ground floor, man. We were. It cost me $100 <laughs> to get buttrub.com where, where set up where people could order from it. $50 went to my programmer and $50 went to the domain site. <laughs> And so we just, we just were in the, we were on the front row of all that and it was available and yeah, you would think somebody somewhere might, might've wanted to use that, but, um, it, it, it was, uh, it was a piece of cake actually. As I look through what you offer on buttrub.com, you obviously have the flagship, uh, rub and a bunch of different sizes. There's a barbecue sauce that when we were sound checking earlier today, you said is just more recently released. It's not something that's uh, as old as the rub. You have uh, like a Cajun rub or something like that and then some honey. But as somebody who has made a, a really good living on seasoning, how come you don't have like 20 products or, or 25 products to offer? Well, you know, Bluebell Vanilla sells, outsells all the other Bluebells, you know, 20 to 1. So I, I, I honed in on what was working and it it was just something i created and my marketing was a little butt rub makes everything better so i don't i don't know if that, if that makes everything better then what why don't i need another season um i think there was we were having so much success with that one product that all i saw was stores that we weren't in i didn't i didn't think that spending time and resources on other products was my was to my benefit because I knew if I got butt rub in a store, it would be successful. Um, no matter where part of the country, wherever we put it, it was rolling. So I'm like, I've got, a, I've got a star here. So why go back to creating other things that may or may not be successful? I had a winner. So that's why I didn't even have a sauce for a long time. Um, my original products was a baked beans, a sauce and a rub. And it was the butt rub that took off. And I'm like, okay, well, we don't make the beans in. And, and <laughs> the sauce, you know, it's too expensive to make anyway. And, and it's, it's, it breaks. I, I get pallets back and it's got sauce all over the pallet. And who wants to mess with that? So the butt rub, I'm like, you go with what's working. And so that's how I become a butt rub specialist. Now, could I come up with other variations? I guess I can. But we're still getting in these stores with this product, and we're getting in food service, and we're using it for a lot of other applications. And it's got a lot 
I haven't reached a peak of, well, what else we're going to do with this? You know, it, it's still 26 years later, we're still growing in our percentage of stores and our percentage of sales. So <laughs> I'm just rolling with until it stops working. I, I, don't, I don't think I need to reinvent too much. Really. If you look at the past 26 years, what are the two most important things over that span that happened in the evolution of butt rub? Huh? Man, that's a good question. It's really been more of a brick by brick thing. Uh, steady. I, you know, I never had partners. I never had an investment group. I just I learned to trust my instincts. I think that's probably the most important thing I ever did. Uh, I found this path and, uh, I, you know, I learned, I, you know, I trust God and, and God gives me intuition and I follow my intuition. So I've just been following that path and steady. Steady, steady. That's the thing. More stores, more stores, more stores. But I didn't ever want to make a deal with somebody that if they bailed out on me, I would be, uh, I'd never put all my eggs in, in a basket that could hurt me. So we spread it out and just grew steadily. So I'd say learn to trust my instincts is one. Two, and it's nothing I did, but, you know, the, the barbecue world I don't know when I was getting into it, I guess we were on the tarmac and then over the years it started going down and next thing you know, it's in the air. So I guess I got in really, really early into the barbecue boom. Mm. And, and I don't know that it's, it, it's still growing, you know, it's, it's amazing how, how big this thing's gotten. So that's, it's not something I did, but it's just, I think the biggest factor in the fact that we've been able to ride this big wave of barbecue. Does anyone sell more rub than you? Uh, we've been consistently in the grocery business. We've been consistently in the top three for a long time. There's there's quarters where you add butt rub. Uh, butt rub is one product, but with different sizes. You add that up. We've, we've been in a uh, lead position many, many times the last couple of years. <laughs> so uh, I think, and that's the pipeline, the grocery stores. I mean, I knew when I started, I'm like, this will be a part-time job if I don't get into grocery stores. And that was before they were in the, the hardware stores. That was before internet orders were like they are now. So I, I knew I had to be in the grocery stores and it was almost impossible, but uh, we were able to make that happen somehow. And, you know, you start getting a little success and then people join in with you. And then, you know, the, the success rewards you by, by offering you new opportunities. And, and so we just kind of kept climbing and riding that wave. So, uh, it's an unlikely success story, and that's what I love about the documentary. Kind of, you know, once you watch it, it's like, dang, man, how did they pull that off? You know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but it's it's been a gift for sure. Towards the end of that documentary, it states that so over the life of business, Butt Rub has sold $50 million uh, in, in top line there. That's a big number. You ever been approached? That's a big number. Yeah. In the first uh, few years, I think the first year was like $1,200. <laughs> so <laughs> You got to start somewhere, right? Uh, yeah, well, you know, we doubled every year for a long time. <laughs> uh, that, that's true. That's the, it's been a steady climb. Our sales chart looks like uh, a nice staircase. I call it the stairway to heaven. Uh, but slow and steady. It's really not been anything... Um, it, it, it's just it's just been a steady climb, and I guess I'm, gr I'm grateful for that. It's been more uh, manageable, and and I've had the staff around. I, I hadn't 
been shorthanded or we didn't struggle to meet orders. We, we've had good alliances with our co-packers. Um, it's been a manageable thing. And I think I would prefer the way if I had to choose, you know, I think we did the right thing. A lot of companies now they get investment groups and they just, they just go for it and they're piling money into marketing and they're rolling the dice. It's like, well, we think this is going to make it, but we don't know for sure if it will. And, and a lot of them disappear uh, because they, they come in with a, blaze of glory and then you don't see them again so let's look at that from a from a different perspective if the life of the product has generated somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 million dollars have you been approached one or ten times by companies saying hey let me stroke you this 35 million dollar check you walk away and we're going to take over butt rub there's been people that are interested in that uh but I haven't pursued that really seriously uh, at this point. But I think that's the natural life cycle of a product. You get it to a certain point, and you've done all the test marketing and R and D for a really major company, um, so you're a value to them. You know, you've got a following. You've you've proved that you've got something marketable. I mean, if a little guy like me can have a consistent growth over the years and sales. Yeah, I, I might I might be a product that, you know, some big company would look into. But I haven't really looked for that. There'll be a time in my life where that would be the way to go. Um, but we're not there yet. Where can people watch the documentary? Well, it's YouTube. Um, it's called BBQ Dreams, Barbecue Dreams, The Butt Rub Story. And it's also the link on buttrub.com on the homepage. Um, now on Facebook, we've got the butt rub club and that, that has the links also. And that's, that's how we communicate with, uh, our users about, uh, everything, butt rub and so forth. So. A barbecue legend, a rub pioneer, Byron Chisholm joining us here on the show on the 2023 barbecue hall of famer, buttrub.com, the website, of course, Byron, appreciate the story, the look back here and, and some of that sage wisdom as you pass it along to folks considering getting into that rub business. I appreciate the first interview, and let's do it again soon. That sounds great, Greg. Thanks for having me. You got it. Fire and Chisholm right there. Your 2023 Barbecue Hall of Fame class member, amongst the others that made it in this year, and a pioneer of selling rub. And like I had mentioned in the interview, somebody that did it in reverse than how you see it now. Not successful first in competition and then bringing a product to market. Had the product. By the way, we didn't get into it then. We probably talked about it in a subsequent interview. But a classically trained chef went to culinary school, worked in kitchens, all that. And then devised the butt rub and had this great product. Went to competitions and then decided, hey, like you said, maybe I should cook at this stuff too. Then became a really good cook. Now he's in the Hall of Fame. Daniel Vaughn is ready to go. So why make them wait? We won't. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. get back to a guy who has more experience giving you his opinion than he actually has cooking. 
Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. And we thank Byron Chisholm for joining us last segment. This portion of the show being brought to you by Pit Barrel Cooker, the most unbelievable outdoor cooking device on the planet. Available in three sizes with a host of accessories. If you're a beginner, if you're a professional, it doesn't matter. It's just a cooker you want to add to the arsenal. Visit pitbarrelcooker.com and tell them the Barbecue Central show sent you. Helping me close the show tonight, the barbecue editor for Texas Monthly Magazine. You also see him on this show quarterly throughout the year as we talk about things happening in Texas and the barbecue world in general. I am, of course, talking about our good pal and Buckeye, Daniel Vaughn. Daniel? I'm here in a days in in, in Lexington, Tennessee, and who knows uh, if there's Wi-Fi issue. I have no idea. What's I'm going sorry. on in Lexington, Tennessee? Well, um, they're going to be cooking whole hog at B.E. Scott's Barbecue uh, tomorrow morning. I'll be out there um, checking out their West Tennessee-style whole hog. Zach Parker has been running the place for quite a while now. and um, Yeah, he makes a mean whole hog. I was actually at his his house for dinner trying some of the whole hog that came off the pit earlier today. Uh, It's still delicious. Hmm. Uh, so we appreciate you traveling and doing the show at the same time here and making your quarterly visit, certainly. I wanted to start tonight with the YouTube poll question of the week that we're asking everybody. When it comes okay. to brisket and ribs, are you fatty and spares, fatty and baby back, lean and baby back, or lean and spares? I am lean and spares. Really? <laughs> lean? Yes. I don't believe that for one second. Are you lying on the show? I thought we were courageous and honest. We are courageous and honest. Wow. And here's the thing is, uh, first off, both when I'm evaluating barbecue, when I'm evaluating a brisket, yeah. the lean tells me a whole lot more about how well you can cook hmm. than the fatty side does. Um, and, the, I mean, the spare ribs, I, that shouldn't even be part of the poll question. I mean, who wants – who's going to choose baby backs when there's the possibility of a spare? We got – all that, that, that thick, juicy meat, and then you've got the, the rib tip included. I mean, that, that rib tip, like that part you pull off the very top of, of, of the very end of the rib tip, that is my favorite bite of rib, um, you know, whether it's spare or whatever. That is the best bite of rib to me, and, and you can't get that on a baby back. 50% of the voting public tonight saying fatty and spares. That's where I'm living as well. Fatty and baby back is taking 29%, and lean and baby back taking 14%. Lean and spares are taking 7%. And you're adding to that, by the way, because I know you didn't vote on YouTube. But we don't question people's choices. We're just asking questions here tonight. So let's start here this evening, and it's not well. Uh, go hold ahead. on, though. Go ahead. But that, but in that poll, like I, I think, just people who love barbecue and who consume barbecue content like this are are taught that they're supposed to love fatty more than anything else, right? Um, and and I love a, a great bite of fatty. Brisket, I, I don't think you, like, that's not how true. Much, how much of it can you really eat? I, I don't. I, I don't know I, how you I can, can eat a lot more lean brisket. Why? I don't know how you can come to the conclusion that people think that they have to like fatty i don't i don't believe that i think if if the lean now we're getting into preface everything by personal opinion here a perfectly cooked slice of fatty and a perfectly cooked slice of lean to me fatty wins all day long it's 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 everything i want right uh, it's aesthetically more pleasing it's got all the mouth feels that i like 
and the the taste I find to be better. Uh, again, I was at Truth Barbecue for the second time in my life last week. I um, saw the saw the photos. Yes, they look great. Great photo, and uh, I got I I asked for fatty, but two of those slices had both. It was like right where the junction must have been. So I had the top was fatty, the bottom was a lean, and uh, so I was able to. Oh, was it possibly fourth slice? Definitely not the fourth slice. I asked for it, and the guy looked like he was going to stab me right in in the eyeball with his knife. And uh, so I was I'm able so to evaluate, right? And uh, mm-hmm. I, I still I still like a a a best cooked piece of fatty over over lean. But that's just me. Well, now, now that lean part that you're talking about underneath the fatty, like that's the worst part of the brisket at all. Like, I mean, that's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's basically sacrificial. Uh, when I say lean, I'm talking about the front end of the brisket with the fat cap on top. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and of course, like a perfectly cooked slice that's, that's juicy and tender and all that. Uh, with the fat cap, with all the seasoning and smoke and to me, that's the the perfect combination. All right, so we agree to disagree, and guess what? We're allowed to do that on the show. Of course, we can agree and we can agree or disagree and still be friends, no problem. I wanted to start tonight by saying uh, or having you talk a little bit about uh, the passing of a few notable barbecue folks here over the last two weeks. Really, uh, Leanne Miller passes away. Suddenly, middle of last week, and then uh, the week, maybe uh, the week and a half before that, a guy who has appeared many times on the show, kind of as your um, as your counter uh, uh, counterpoint folk at uh, San Antonio Express News, Chuck Blount, the sports slash barbecue yeah. writer there, and uh, he passed away suddenly as well. If we take uh, somebody that kind of sits in your uh, editorial chair there with Chuck, what do you know about him and? Uh, how do you feel he expressed Texas barbecue the way he did? Yeah, well, I know he was a guy with a true love for barbecue, a true love for San Antonio barbecue as well, which is what he covered. Uh, both of their deaths just so shocking, so sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Chuck was posting photos of really just like having fun with his family. And, and then the next thing he saw was his wife uh, explaining that he uh, had a something that he like got a health issue that he was not going to recover from. And it was really just came out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was always just joyful about barbecue too. He, he was really loved it. He uh, didn't so much love the critiquing part, I think as much as others uh, really just uh, enjoyed eating and covering barbecue in San Antonio and, and, and really, uh, you know, even, even further outside of that, but you know, San Antonio was his beat and I think he knew it better than anybody. He, he was, consistently on the show doubling down on this success of the smoked burger at barbecue restaurants and how you know where some had them already he was just adamant that everybody and their mother was going to be adding it onto their menu because not only were they delicious uh they were going to be a revenue producer they didn't cost a lot you could use whatever was being left over from uh trimming up some of the other beef all these things made sense to him, and it was going to be like the next biggest thing. Still hasn't really caught on from what I understand, although some places still continue to have them. Is that something that you see happening at some point, or is it just wishful thinking on Chuck's part? Oh, I don't think it's wishful thinking at all. I, I think you're uh, uh, maybe ahead of yourself there saying that it hasn't happened. It certainly has in Texas. Uh, it, I mean, seeing a smash burger or a smoke burger is, is now really commonplace. <laughs> um 
and it's it's become no well not surprising to me i wrote, wrote an article basically uh saying that as well that like if you uh, if you have all this trim left over and you usually would be, make sausage with it like traditionally uh if you don't maybe have the capability to make sausage or the time or, or uh, just don't have the, the labor to produce sausage of your own. And the next place, best place for it to go is in burgers. Like for God's sake, don't throw it away. Uh, if you spend all that money already on the brisket, like use it for something. So uh, I have seen quite a few. I mean, I've, uh, I'm tempted by smash burgers constantly um, because they just look delicious and it's not barbecue. And if I'm, uh, if I've been eating, you know, four or five places, uh, that that smash burger looks tempting. The other person is Leanne Miller, of course, the founder yes. of the barbecue, and uh, you know, I think many would consider her to be a a force of nature to some degree. Yeah. Uh, very firm in her beliefs and very groundbreaking in a in an industry that is dominated by males and uh, perhaps some very yeah. stereotypical males. She is one that was really looking to, to break the mold, uh, a, but B uh, producing some of the best barbecue in Texas. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, her and Allie Clem, uh, the only wife and wife team that I knew to own a barbecue joint in Texas. Um, th they're, they, as I wrote, when I wrote about her, and wrote about her life uh, here recently um, after her, her shocking death. Uh, you know, I, I really reflected on the fact that she was thrust into owning this barbecue joint. She never really had planned to own it. She wanted to be the money behind her brother's place and uh, basically to, to recoup the business after she famously fired her brother. Um, she got much more involved in the business. She hired John Lewis. Her and Allie both became a lot more involved in the business. And then uh, John Lewis moved on to Charleston years ago. And it's really been Allie and Leanne who's been running it uh, in Austin and, and you know, routinely making best of lists, whether it's locally or statewide or, or across the country. Uh, so La Barbecue has uh, really just been an incredible place for a long time. And it's just a couple of years ago that they finally found their, like, forever home, uh, their brick and mortar that they've got now on Cesar Chavez. And so uh, it really just seemed like they had finally gotten this foundation of, of running the barbecue joint that they had always wanted to run, um, you know, since opening La Barbecue. And, uh, you know, then she's just, she's just gone. Um, just died suddenly, really while her and Allie were together uh, preparing for an event. They were preparing food together for an event that they had uh, that evening. And Allie said she just, uh, yeah, they needed to, she collapsed and they needed to call the ambulance immediately. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's it's a really, uh, it was uh, shocking is the word that I keep coming up with because it was truly a shock when I heard about it. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but you can look through the, uh, the immediate lineage of this family and see shocking deaths all over the place uh, leanne uh, her brother died is it a year ago uh, maybe a little longer than that maybe not even and uh and then was there another brother too that has passed away uh, as well uh, no uh so wayne miller is is still around he's, right. he's running louis miller barbecue and taylor uh, no her so leanne passed away at 51 and it was 18 months ago that john her brother uh, died at 52 um, 
uh, their father, Bobby, uh, he was 69, but uh, went to bed very much healthy and uh, had a heart attack and died uh, in his sleep, um, you know, before he ever got to retire from the business. And so, yeah, it is a family, a barbecue family, very, uh, you know, notable statewide. And, you know, the fact that they've seen so much tragedy is, uh, yeah, it's tough. She had quite a secondary career going as a photographer. Yeah. Uh, so she, uh, <laughs> she had told me a story when I uh, interviewed her way back in, I think it was 2013 or 2015, um, about the fact that she went into her photography career, basically went to, you know, left Taylor, Texas, where Louis Miller was um, right near Austin and went out to California, went to photography school there then moved to New York uh, to start a photography career. And in doing so, got her uh, stopped by the Texas Monthly office uh, while she was back in town in Taylor, uh, stopped in Texas Monthly's office in Austin to ask them if they needed any work done, needed any photography work. And that ended up being her first assignment was from her essentially cold calling them. Um, and you know she went on to have, gosh, over a dozen covers for Texas Monthly, and she said in uh, the 2008 uh, barbecue issue that was her shot on the cover, and she went to all the top five barbecue joints to do all of those shoots as well. So those famous photos of Tootsie and Carrie Bexley at Snow's Barbecue, yep. and they made number one sort of out of nowhere. Those were photos that she took, and uh, photos of Louis Miller, uh, photos of her father uh, she took for that issue as well. So it was a really personal assignment for her as well. Changing gears up a little bit, uh, a super fan of this show, someone I have actually been following in 2023 for the Barbecue Central show, Podumentary. His name is Joe Martinez, and he's the owner and pitmaster over at Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue in El Paso, Texas. You were out there yes. recently. Just by chance, you were hearing about it? or I mean... I'm I'm now since I've been in Houston a bunch of times here since November. I'm beginning to understand the greatness, and I say greatness as in width and mileage that this great state has. Uh, I was telling somebody, hey, if you're in Austin, you don't want to wait in line uh, for five or six hours at this. Just drive out to El Paso, and you can not wait in line over there. And like, well, yeah, what's well, a twelve-hour car ride to go out to El Paso? So I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But how do you catch wind of Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue? Well, uh, honestly, I, I heard about Smoking Joe's from the owner of Desert Oak Barbecue. Uh, so they're uh, Desert Oak Barbecue's there in El Paso. And uh, Richard Funk uh, runs that with his wife. And Richard is neighbors with Joe in El Paso. They live in the same neighborhood. <laughs> and when Joe was trying to understand the, uh, you know, the barbecue business itself, uh, he went to work at Desert Oak for a few, you know, for a few weeks anyway, to sort of understand how the scheduling worked and how how the cook schedule worked and all that before he opened Smoking Joe's. And so it was Richard who uh, told me about Smoking Joe's first off, and uh, I had I just had to go try out that smoked burger that he had on the menu. It was fantastic. Your opinion on the food uh, at first blush? Uh, I mean, it, uh, as soon as I got the tray, I knew uh, this was going to be a good one. Like the the ribs were just uh, they were had that glaze on them, big spare ribs, and had a glaze on them that was just like sparkling in the sunlight. It was pretty hot out there. It was uh, 
Uh, it was a warm day in El Paso and not a whole lot of shade out there in that food truck park. Uh, but you can drive through the beer barn right next door if you need something to go. Uh, and yeah, the, the sides, uh, he does this Texas chili, which he put beans in, which in Texas, like calling it chili and putting beans in it causes an argument every time. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he, he made a really great one. Uh, but yeah, the ribs, the brisket, I mean, it was the, it was the best bite of brisket that I've had in El Paso. <laughs> Uh, for any barbecue joints that are out there. It was really spot on that day. And uh, yeah, so I wrote about the place and, and, you know, really just trying to get more folks to go there because he had said that he had quite a bit of business at 11 o'clock when he opened. But when I got there at noon, I was the only customer. And that's a shame for a place of that quality. Is his specific location a hurt or a help to him in the truck park? Um. Well, I mean, here's the thing about El Paso is like the, the barbecue culture in El Paso is not, uh, it's not developed quite the way it is in, in Houston, Austin, Fort Worth, San Antonio, Dallas, all those, right? Um, so like suffering for your barbecue is not really something El Pasoans are willing to do. Uh, so being in a food truck park with some picnic tables and, and basically having to eat in the sun or take it to go, it, I think it is a bit of a detriment to his business. Um, I think if, uh, you know, if he were to make a jump to go into a building, then, then that would be better for him. But that's obvious, right? I mean, uh, being in a restaurant is, is better for most any barbecue business. But uh, that's a, a big jump when you're just purchased a food truck and you purchased your thousand gallon smoker that you've got on a separate truck right next to it. So he's got a lot invested in that place. He's in El Paso. He potentially could be poised to be barbecue king of El Paso. You mean, you said yourself, the food is great. What if he uh, pulled up steaks and drove to Dallas or Fort Worth or one of these other uh, within Texas barbecue meccas or strongholds? Could he see the same amount of success or would he be watered down? Well, I mean, obviously any barbecue business that opens up in any of those cities is going to be watered down to, to a point. I mean, there's just so many options. You've got to find a, a neighborhood that is, that's thirsty for it, right? Uh, that is underserved uh, because these days there are just so many options. I, I think he's smart to stay out in El Paso. So as I had mentioned earlier, I was at uh, Truth Barbecue. First time I went, hour and a half wait. Uh, that was pushing mm-hmm. my limit, right? I mean, I've often said on the show, I wait for nothing. Uh, but I waited an so hour went, and a half. You went incognito, huh? No, no, no. I went. Uh, so I, first time, hour and a half. Got the food. Got everything. It was great. So I felt rewarded. And then uh, when we got into Houston Wednesday, it was later. I pulled in that parking lot three o'clock. No line. Jumped in. Now where do we suffer? We're out of ribs. We're out of like everything except brisket and turkey. Good news. All we wanted was brisket and turkey. Really, knowing going in at three o'clock. There's going to be some potential issues with proteins. Uh, all of the desserts were there. I got a gallon of banana pudding. My wife got the chocolate cake. Very you know important. all the desserts are great, right? So yes. is there a strategy that you would offer folks that aren't interested in waiting lines? How to circumvent that? Is it showing up later? Are you running the risk of selling out? Is it just going to the, the, the not-as-well-known place two blocks over? What do you tell people? Well, I mean, 
first off, whether it's worthwhile to stand in that line is is really up to each individual, right? So you said you waited an hour and a half in line at Truth, and the fact that you were going back means that hour and a half was was worth it to you. Like it was worth returning. Now you didn't have to do it again, but you were, I, I assume, willing to if you if you went back. Well, if there was um, a line, we we were gonna either like call in to get curbs. I was not waiting again, but let just luckily happened okay. there was no line okay. now. In, in gotcha. my non-defense, Sunday, was that a five-hour line wrapping around for Father's Day? Was oh, that a six-hour right. line? Like, what the hell? And it was 187 yeah. degrees. Yeah, it's like uh, for Mother's Day, right? <laughs> I saw a lot of places advertising, like, please, just come in on Saturday. It's going to be so much easier. Just <laughs> eat your Mother's Day brunch on Saturday. Yeah. It's like, eat your Father's Day barbecue on Saturday. And that's, that's actually what I did. I was an Amarillo at the time. Um, and so, uh, we had, uh, we had some barbecue there on Saturday and went to a steakhouse as well. Um, so yeah, we had a good time there, but, um, yeah, I think you're right that there is a certain strategy there as long as you're willing to do without some of the, some of the cuts that they offer is to go in at two or three o'clock, three o'clock might be pushing it for some places, but you know, sneaking in at one thirty or two o'clock, I mean, why not give it a try? Uh, especially if you're there on a weekday. I mean, if you go into Austin at uh, and you want to go to Franklin Barbecue, like don't go. It's Saturday at six a.m. Um, you know, go try it on a, a Tuesday or a Wednesday um, at one thirty in the afternoon. And chances are, you can just walk right in the door and maybe stand behind fifteen people and, and get your barbecue. Now, again, you might be out of ribs, uh, but these places in Texas, especially those that are so well known for their brisket, like Truth and Franklin, those are the things that, that's the thing they do not want to run out of mm -hmm. until they have to close the doors, right? And so a place like Truth is gonna have brisket, that's gonna be the last thing they sell out of. Same with Franklin and, and many of the other big names out there. So if it's brisket that you're after, that is a, a great strategy. Uh, same thing with Cadillac Barbecue in Dallas. Mm -hmm. It's really, you gotta get there early. Uh, they open at 10.30. And you've got to get there early if you want their specials because their specials are going to be gone uh, by that one thirty or 2 o'clock mark. Uh, but chances are they're still going to have you know, some of the basics and you're still going to get a great meal. And, um, you know, hate to break it to everybody, but you don't need <laughs> four meats every time. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, push back from the table a little bit there, Porky, and uh, enjoy, you know, as I said in a, a Twitter post to somebody, I was willing to sacrifice getting something of everything for getting a few things that I really wanted. And that's what they had the truth. So it was a, a successful time back. And, and you got to really enjoy your brisket, right? And your, and your yeah. turkey. You didn't have to be like, Oh, I got to save a little. Cause I got the, the burn ends over here. I got the, the ribs here. I got this link of sausage that needs attention. Uh, you just get to enjoy what's in front of you. And as a bonus, just walking out of the back was Leonard Batello himself. So I'm able to say, hey, Len, come over here. You remember me? And I think he said he did, but I doubt he did. And, uh, you know, I mean, what a great guy. Very open. Uh, we had, you know, I'm five sure or ten he minutes of conversation. Voice. Uh, I mean, I guess I had the, you know, I had the shirt on. So I was hoping I had made a little bit of an impression since he was on the show, you know, like a handful of months ago. But I, I never assume anybody knows me. And uh, we had a great conversation. He's like, hey, if you're in for a couple more days, you know, give me a shout. We'll have a couple beers, whatever. And, uh, you know, he was very engaging. And uh, obviously it was a, a very busy and very hot day. So 
Uh, I was happy to just meet him. He makes me look like a big shot in front of my wife who's sitting there and going, wow, you, you actually know this guy that you said you knew. So, you know, I, I come out looking like a winner. Everybody wins. We got brisket. We got turkey. What can I tell you? Daniel Vaughn is joining so us. Yes, go ahead. Where did you all go out for a beer? I, I'm kidding. I don't go out with with anybody. I was like, hey, thanks. No way. I got, uh, we have, we have, when we go to Houston, uh, you know, there are some uh, more pressing issues to stay on task with. And uh, so we, there's we kinda, an itinerary. Yes, unfortunately. So, uh, uh, but yes. we were, we were happy to stop back in there and uh, continue to have good barbecue. I look forward to having a, another stop there when we go back and uh, we'll see if we can't make it three for three. Uh, I hope you have some great whole hog tomorrow as you, uh, do your whole hog run there. I, I know it's going to be. You are a valued quarterly member of our team here on the show, and I uh, can't wait until the next time we revisit and talk nonsense and live fire technology. Yes, we'll, we'll get the uh, the microphone taken care of before that. All right, so, sounds good. Daniel, yeah. always appreciate the time. All right, great talking to you. You too. Daniel Vaughn right there, Texas Monthly's barbecue editor, tmbbq.com. If you are looking to get caught up on the Leanne Miller passing and you'd like to hear a little bit more of uh, insight from Daniel Vaughn on that, then go ahead and read his latest article. Again, that's tmbbq.com. And that is going to do it for us tonight. Kind of got lost in our conversation there. So we're a little over, but we'll wrap it up right now. All the way back in the first hour, it was Mac Plummer from Loco Cookers, lococookers.com talking about that 36-inch flat-top griddle. And then we had Wes Wright from cookoutnews.com talking about the business of barbecue. And then in the second hour, we let off with a legend, Byron Chisholm, Buttrub, buttrub.com, his website, and closing it out with quarterly guest Daniel Vaughn from Texas Monthly, tmbbq.com. Big show planned for you next week. It's fourth Tuesday, so we got the embedded correspondence. We got Derek Riches making his return, amongst others, so stay tuned for that. I will also start to share with you what the middle of July is going to look like with the show. Not sure exactly what the logistics are going to be. That could be a best of show on the 11th. And then it could be a on remote show on the 18th. Not sure. We've got to figure out some technological logistics there, but I'll keep you up to speed on programming notes. So how do I always leave you? September 11th, 2001. I will never forget until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. This is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now. This is Steve, the Cookout Coach, and you're listening to the Barbecue Central Show.